It's so good to see you. I wait all week uh, to see you guys. Some of you guys can't make it on Wednesday nights. Uh, I wait till Wednesday night to see everybody on Wednesday night. Uh, even when Robert's teaching, I look forward to just seeing you guys. I uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, after the baby shower. You know, I get to go after and to get all that stuff with me. And uh, I just enjoy who you are. And I want to let you know that. Uh, it has been an amazing 13 weeks of my life already. And it's such an honor to uh, spend time with you. And I mean this. And I'm going to try to be slick, okay? I know it's Cleveland. I mean this. I said this months ago on a video that I found my tribe, okay? And I mean it. And, uh, you know, there's, it's busy and I'm adjusting the weather. I know all that stuff. But we feel at home. And we want to thank you so much. Aria is more adjusted to this church than Cleveland. That's how friendly you've been. That's who you are. And that's never going to leave this place. And no matter how fancy things get, it's the people that make the church what it is. Amen? So let's not get sophisticated now that we've got sophisticated chairs, okay? As we get things better, let's remember that we are New Song Church. We are New Song Church, and thank you for being you so much. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. We are continuing our sermon series, Ordinary People Serving an Extraordinary God. Ordinary People Serving an Extraordinary God. Nehemiah was an ordinary person, a cupbearer for the king, and he decided to do something. That's what we talked about last week. If you missed last week, go online, check it out, and catch up a little bit. But Nehemiah, an ordinary person, decided to get a vision from God and do something. That was the takeaway for last week. Today, I want to dive right into it and uh, talk to you about what do you do when you've captured a vision from God and you're serving an extraordinary God, and you're an ordinary person, and you've said yes to God, what do you do when hardship comes? What do you do when you've got a vision from God, and you've got critics? What do you do when you've got something that you're moving forward on, and you hit a wall? Maybe it's finances, and you've got a dream, you're like, God, how are you going to fund this vision. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's a fact that time has gone by. God gave you a dream 20 years ago, and it's still not come to pass. Pastor, I've done something. I said yes. I serve an extraordinary God. I'm just an ordinary person. I've said yes to God, but nothing's come about. I've kind of hit this wall. I feel like Nehemiah, in this chapter, as we're going through the book, chronologically, gives us responses to what we need to do in times when we hit a wall, after we've gotten a vision from God. Now, I want to give you a disclaimer here. Today, I am not talking about New Song Church. I am not talking about our church and moving forward. You guys have been so good, 
okay? I mean, when I talk about critics and all this stuff, you guys have been so good to us. I mean, look around. Look what God's doing already. It's been 12, 13 weeks, so much momentum. It's a testament to who you are, okay? So I'm not talking about you, so none of you guys get churchy on me and say, well, pastor's talking about the critics, and they're all sitting around me right now. No, this is the reason why I preach from the Word of God and let the Word of God interpret it. So if that's you, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe, maybe that's you, but I'm not talking to you. In fact, I've made it a, a motto in my life to just keep moving forward to what God has, not because you want to move on from what God has done in the past, but we have to go towards what God has for us individually first. In fact, if you're married here, you actually have to move forward individually to what God has for you. And the healthier you are as a spouse individually, then you can be a better spouse to your wife. So you have to grow individually before you start worrying about your wife or husband. You know what I mean? Well, pastor, you need to talk to him or her. You just don't know what's going on. She don't know what's up. He don't know what's up. No, sometimes the Lord wants to start with us. And today, I want you to look at three responses, three responses that Nehemiah had when it came to hitting that wall, hitting that critic, hitting the challenge of his vision that God gave him. Nehemiah chapter 4, when Sanballat, he was an enemy of the children of Israel, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing on it would break down their walls of stones. Hear us, O God, Nehemiah says, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. I want you to underline that. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins for your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuild the wall till all of it reached half its height. Underline that, half its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. But when Sambalat... Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard, Sambalat brought some reinforcements, heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But, Nehemiah says, we pray to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. 
Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they've surrounded us, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Let him know, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He didn't just say great. God is not just a great God. He is also an awesome God. In other words, he likes to show off a bit. That's what that means. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Notice he didn't say money or land or property. What he said was fight for the things that matter to you. That should be our posture with the vision that God has given us individually in this house. The dreams that God has given you, what are you doing with it? Or are you just kind of throwing it away? So you, sometimes you have to fight, and you have to fight for what matters. Some of us fight for the wrong things. We have to learn to fight for the right things. Amen? Amen? When our enemy heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to, to, to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. I want you to picture that in your mind. You got a hammer and you got an AK-47. You're nailing it in and you got a machine gun. I mean, if we had that at New Song Church, I mean, this Thursday we had so many people coming in and helping and unpacking these chairs. I wonder what it looked like if people were like, hey, there's an 18-wheeler that pulled up with these chairs. They backed into it and you got guys with like tr- little trolleys taking chairs and with the machine gun in their hand. What are they moving in that church? They weren't playing around. Verse 18, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall, whenever or wherever you hear the sound, wherever, not whenever, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Can we pray before we jump into the message today? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you are our God. We thank you that when we align our lives with what you have for us, when we dig into what you're doing inside of us, that, Lord, the rest of it comes into order. So, Lord, help us to flip 
the script on the enemy today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wherever there is truly a vision of God at work in your lives, there will be external opposition and internal wavering. External opposition and internal wavering. What do I mean by that? External is the things that come against us in real life. They're problems, situations, life. They may be people. It may actually be the devil himself, to be honest. In fact, the truth is, sometimes the devil does attack you. But it should actually excite you a little bit that the devil's attacking you. Why? Because you got something he's scared of. Otherwise, he'd just leave you alone. In fact, some of us are like, well, the devil's never after me. I don't know if it's such a good thing. You may be living a real safe life, not doing anything for Jesus to always say that. Now, I'm not the kind of person that always says, is the devil's fault for everything. Sometimes if you're in debt, that's because you got to cut up your credit cards, right? Sometimes we do it to ourselves. But sometimes I've seen this happen. The devil actually uses things, the same tricks, the same external, internal forces, the same things again and again and again. You want to know why he uses it? It's because he's not a creator. See, the devil cannot create things. God is the only person who is a creator. So the only thing that the devil can do in our personal lives and in your personal lives is to use the same things again and again and again and again. In fact, some of us, if you're real here today, we're Christians, we're living for Jesus, but you fall for the same sin again and again and again and again because you've left a foothold for this external attack, external opposition. And then the second is this, internal wavering. How many of you guys know that sometimes the hardest thing as a leader, as a follower of Jesus, is this space in between your ears to control? Our minds are going back and forth. Well, God said this. He didn't do that, but he didn't come through here, but he did here. But God, does. I don't know if you really know what I'm going through. I'm trying to do stuff. All of this stuff in the middle, that's the internal stuff. Some of us are like, look, I got my external cleaned up, Pastor. A Monday morning shows up, and I'm struggling in between the ears. Nehemiah knew that this would be a problem. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 4, when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, Nehemiah says, he was angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? It's exactly what the enemy does in our lives. You get a word from God on a Sunday morning, and you're getting ready to go forward. Monday morning shows up, and the devil's like, what do you think you are? What do you think you're doing here? Well, I don't know. You didn't get the right color of skin here. I don't know if you can do this. I don't know if you're educated enough. I don't know if God can, God really, remember that time in 2004 when I, when he told you something and he didn't come through, it may happen again. Don't take a second chance. That's what the enemy does. Always taunts you about who God is and who you are. 
That's why as Christians, we have to know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, regardless of our performance. Now, I told you, I gave you a disclaimer. We ain't talking about my performance here. We're a professional church, but we got to take it to our individual lives. God wants your life to make a difference in this world. I appreciate and I want you to come to church and celebrate all that God has done the last week, not just wait on me to tell you how to survive the next week. We got a couple of amens. Will they restore their wall? Oh, man, that person, I know who they are. They ain't going to change. Pastor, you don't understand. I've known them for 20 years. They ain't going to change. I don't care what God's doing in their life. Sounds familiar? Will they offer sacrifices? Oh, you know what? Those sacrifices. The things that you're doing in your life and changing, that's just all in vain. That's what the enemy does. Notice that he does it in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. I love this. Sometimes the devil will come into my life and he'll say things like, we. I've told our leadership team this. If anybody says we, ask them who we is. That's what the Lord told me. He said, if we have a problem, you've got to identify who we is. Why? Because usually it's just one person or one situation or one thing. We have to realize that the enemy is small, but it comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. Ed Young says this, the three most common forms of opposition are ridicule to what God is doing, resistance to what God is doing in your heart, and rumors about what you're not doing. He writes... The heart of a critic always resists change, are most inflexible and most critical. And this is true of every athletic team. Come on, somebody. We got a win this week. We got a win this week. No Browns fans here. Did you guys not watch it on Thursday? You can't be critical of it anymore. Be like, oh, I know you just got one win. You know, I just, they got it. This is true of every athletic team, every business company, every family, and every church. Our church is a great place. I want to be honest with you. Our church is a great place. New Song Church is full of great people. You know, there's a difference between being a critical person and a critical thinker. God has called us to be critical thinkers, not critical people. Sometimes in church, we need to hear that. God has called us to critically think. You know, when a leader tells you something, when we're preaching something from the Word, go home and check the Bible. Don't just listen to me. I ain't Jesus, and nobody else is. There's one Father, one Jesus, and one Holy Spirit. Everybody else is level ground. It's level ground. You have to investigate for yourself. John 10.10, the thief comes to only to. Notice that. The thief comes only to. There's nothing else he does. Don't think you're having fun with the thief. Because they only come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. It's a progression. 
They first steal your joy. And they try to kill you. You know, sometimes a dying plant, right? It's dying. You can still rescue it. You can kind of go prune it. You can kind of rescue it. But what's the last thing he does, the enemy? He destroys it. Ain't no coming back from that. The enemy of our soul has one purpose, and that is to kill the vision that God has for your life. The purposes that God has for your life. He does not want you to know about it, get with it, or do anything about it. He would rather have you just attend church and pretend like you don't have a purpose. But Jesus says, I have come to over 2,000 years ago. He came that what? May have life. And not just life, but life to the full or life abundantly. Life that gives and gives and gives and gives. Just like the enemy wants to rob and steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came so we can have life again, again, and again. That's the good news. And some of us, we need to hear it as followers of Jesus. We have no life. I wonder where Jesus is. If you're lacking joy today, ask Jesus to come into your life again and give you fresh vision and purpose. Andy Stanley says this, visions are easy to criticize. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm not talking about the church, okay? And I know there's a parallel here, but I'm talking about us. Because your pastor has heard this message from the Lord to me. And I want you to hear this to you. And then we'll work on the church. If we work on ourselves, the church is no problem. I promise you. Visions are easy to criticize. People will come into your life and say, God, you know, that, that small business, are you sure? Really? You? You didn't even graduate high school. How are you going to achieve anything for God? They're easy to criticize. They attract criticism. You know, notice like someone who tries to do something, they're the most crucified person in the world. But you can be mediocre and sit back and chill, and nobody cares. You have to ask the question, why is that? Because if it was easy, everybody would do it. God is asking us to do things that are not easy sometimes. Visions are difficult to defend whenever you attempt to bring about change. That vision is seen as a threat. Critics appear to be armed with the facts. Often they have history and experience on their side. Look, this is not, this is not my quote. Y'all can go ahead and, and check my notes hereafter to make sure that I don't make this up. Often they have history and experience on their side, but vision is about the future and not the past. Vision has not history. This is why vision is threatening to people. As Christians, we are supposed to be people full of vision. You want to see Cleveland change? It starts with you and I. Have a vision for your life to use your business, to use your skills. To use the fact that you're educated in a certain place, the fact that we have teachers in our midst, you should be in the schools changing our school system. Well, pastor, I can't get to the administration. Well, you need to hit pause and change each child one by one. Let your classroom be the best classroom in Cleveland, in the worst school possibly. 
You can, but you have to recognize that you're going to get opposition. You are. If you're a young person here today and you're trying to live for Jesus, you are in a different world. You are not going to make it if you try to do good. And God has called us to advance common good, and we will. You heard me say that last week. We will partner with nonprofits in our city as long as they're doing good. There's a place for that. But if you are trying to do a God thing, it's more than a good thing. You have to have a vision that you will fight for and recognize that you need to fight for it. Second thing is the internal wavering. James chapter 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Is the kind of person that gets excited after the pastor is preaching. And the worship was so good. And he foaming and cooling. Blessed be the name. Great I am. Drum solo. Let's get this going. And then Sunday night comes and someone says, I don't know, man. Oh, yeah, I don't know either. I just know. I, you know, yeah, I go to church every now and then. Yeah. Don't be tossed to and fro. When you're with your unsaved friends, you're unsaved. When you're with your saved friends, you're saved. When you're with leaders, you're trying to be a leader. When you're with people that are just chilling and having a beer, you're just chilling. Don't be just all over the map. Decide who you are, James is telling us. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He ain't talking about a church vision or a church strategy. He's talking about our lives. He is faithful to what he promised you. What are the promises of God? Come on, if right now, if you have a promise from God, just lift your hand. Look at how many promises there are. Look at how much impact is waiting on us. And if you're going for it right now, I want to encourage you to go further. Don't waver. He is faithful to that promise in your life. So what do you do when you've accepted God's dream for your life and immediately face hardships? What do you do when you've determined to follow Jesus? Maybe you're new to following Jesus here today. And you're saying, look, I made a decision. You know, and over the last month, we've had over 10 salvations. I've met with three of them for real salvations, and they're attending our church. What do you do when you're determined to follow after Jesus and face opposition? You're the only person that gave their heart to God in your home, and you go home, and they're like, yeah, man, you don't have to be too fanatical now. You can still do some of those things. You know, someone told me uh, we were having a pre-service prayer meeting uh, and a service meeting where we go through everything in our service. And, uh, you know, uh, someone mentioned that uh, Cleveland's not the Bible Belt, and it's very true. We're not. Oh, my goodness, we are not. But I do feel like everybody loves Jesus in Cleveland. You know? I mean, everybody, whether you're saved or really or not, you love Jesus. I mean, I think even the drug dealers might like Jesus, you know? Like, Jesus is a cool thing here. But he's not just a cool thing. He's a real thing. He causes us to change from the inside out. But what do we do when hardships come? Nehemiah gives us three responses. 
to address the challenges and the challengers of the vision that God has placed in your life. He gives us three responses, and I want us to put these responses into our lives as practical takeaways to say, the next time you're attacked, let's get on the, uh, the uh, offense instead of being on the defense, and let's take it to the devil. Amen? Verse 4, hear us, our God, Nehemiah says, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Man, I had a little vibrato when I just said that. Why? When challengers and challenges arise, flip the script and acknowledge his grace and his strength is available for you. What do I mean by that? God's grace helps you endure the challenge. No matter what happens, God's grace is available for you and I to endure whatever situation you're facing, whatever circumstance you're facing, no matter what the verdict is, God's grace will help you endure the challenge and his strength, not your strength. So your strength and your resume, put it aside. His strength overcomes the challenger. 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. David, talking about David and Goliath, Goliath comes out, tells the army of Israel, what's up? And he basically taunts them. And the army kind of shrivels up. Is that or no? Well, he's kind of a big dude. Hey, he's got a lot of strength. He's got a lot of armor. Look at him. We can't fight him. And David responds to this challenge. And he says this first, look at this. He says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Would a man without the grace of God have guts to not only say he'll go ahead and fight the enemy, would he say that he would, he's so confident because of the grace of God that he says, hey, what am I going to get? I'm thrilled about this. Anytime the enemy attacks me personally, in my personal life, I get a little excited. Your pastor gets on the offensive a little bit, and I sit to take a posture and say to the Lord, I even say to him, God, I know there's something on the other side of this, and I can't wait. So I'm in, count me in, I'm a soldier, I'm in it to win it, but at the same time, Lord... If there's something in it for me, I'll, I'll just, just say it. I know you're a good father. Just say it. You know, I'll give you the glory, God. It ain't my stuff. But, you know, if you want to hook a brother up, you can. That's exactly what David was saying. We don't just serve a puny God who's just going to say, hey, go ahead and fight my battles, little Christians down there on earth. We serve a God who's ready to reward us for the battle. It's just scripture. Y'all don't get excited. Look, I interpret from the scripture. The second thing he says is, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He changes the narrative. That he should defy the armies of the living God. Oh, thank you, God, for strength in my life. That comes from heaven, right from the throne room of God, that tells me that the best is yet to come for myself, 
I love that it's going to come from New Song Church, but God's best is in my best interest. So I'm saying yes to his strength. No matter what the enemy says or what stuff happens, he is on my side and his strength is all I will ever need. So I don't need to conjure up stuff. You know, if you're fighting with somebody, you don't need to yell and scream and throw stuff around. What are you doing? God's a strong God. You don't have to talk too much. You don't. You've got to allow room for the Holy Spirit and the Lord to come in, and he'll take care of business. <laughs> y'all, didn't knew, y'all didn't know I had that, did you? I learned that in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. Half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. This is not in your notes, but I want you to write this down. The hardest point in any venture, vision, purpose from God is not the start, it's not the end, it's the middle. Nehemiah was strategic in nature, that was his calling. He knew that this meant something. This is why he said it was half its height. For for the people worked with what? All their heart. The first part of whatever God asks you to do, it usually requires all your heart. In fact, if you don't make it to to halftime, there's probably a heart issue in your life. Did you hear what I said? If you don't make it to halftime in this, this game, there's probably a heart issue. If that's you today, there's no condemnation for those who are called according to God's purpose. There's none. But get back in the game and get your heart back in the game. Some of my business people here, I want to talk to you. If you got an employee that's kind of got a heart issue or a performance issue or something where they're not all in, ask them where their heart is. Ask them what they're passionate about. If they're passionate about cars and you're selling candy, it's probably not going to be a good hire. But I just need somebody to pack the vending machine, Pastor. Well, that's why your vending machine looks like it does. Get the right people on the right seat of your bus, business people. In our church, this is why we've been talking about serving, right? You guys always hear me talk about serving, serving, serving. And I told everybody who signed up to serve, like, the goal is to just get you to serve somewhere. You don't have to like go and be like, if I say yes to the kids ministry, I'm stuck until Jesus comes back or I die. You don't have to be stuck anywhere. We just want you to serve. Find what you're passionate about. You know, if it's the cafe, go talk to Sonny. If it's the first impressions, greeting, ushers, and parking and security, and all this stuff, go talk to Robin. 
You know, if it's saying hello to um, strange people walking through the door, talk to the security people, you know? They'll help keep this place alive. If you're talented and you're a musician and you're sitting back and waiting on somebody to come and ask for an autograph, please sign up for the ministry. Do what God has gifted you to do. Don't just sit back, you know? Don't just wait for other people. Well, God, this is a great church. I love that they throw potlucks and parties all the time. Really, the only thing I like to do is eat around here, and they have a lot of food. So I'm just going to go to New Song Church to eat. This is not why we're here. We will eat, and your pastor loves to eat. I love to eat. I mean, there's so many restaurants here. I, I, I can't even wait. There's thousands more. But this is not why we gather, amen? amen. God has called us with a purpose. So go in with all of your heart. Go in with all of who you are. Bloom where you're planted, church. Whether that's at work, at home, here in your church. Verse 7 says this, But when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were angry. Notice with me that Samballot was just by himself at first. Then when he noticed that the gaps were being closed, he brought in reinforcements. At halftime, in your vision for God, in the purpose that God has given, get ready to get gangster. Because you're going to have gangs of enemies coming at you. You ain't going to just have that one person that said, hey, Kind of be careful, you know, doing these things for God. Get ready for people that you used to look like. Tell you. Get ready for mentors and pastors and leaders to throw you off course sometimes. You have to do what God's called you to do, even if that means cutting off relationships that never should be with you on the way to what God has for you. That's what was going on. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. I'm giving a good little theatrical version. It's Pastor Clint's gospel version, you know? But we prayed to our God. Come on, we've been praying and praying and praying. This should be a habit. Every time I open the scriptures, the Lord keeps bringing prayer to New Song Church. We will be a house of prayer. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Some of us are good at guarding at daytime. And you let your guard down at nighttime. Or you're good at guarding at nighttime, and you let your guard down at daytime. God is telling you to put up your guard day and night. Don't just pray. Post your guard day and night. We are to guard God's vision in our life. That's the second response that Nehemiah was telling us. Guard God's vision in your life. 
How many of you guys have received a word from God before that resonated with your spirit? You're like, okay, I feel that. Don't let share that with anybody. Don't just go out there and put it online and say you're going to do something. Wait. Get the right people around you. Get it together. Come up with a plan. Don't just say, well, God told me I was going to be a millionaire. Well, that's fine. But no, if you tell that to the wrong person, it ain't going to be surprised when they try to attack you or at least want some of that million. Verse 11, also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. The second part of verse 14, don't be afraid of them, Nehemiah says. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. How do you guard God's vision in your life? First, you pray. First, you pray. Get on your knees. You do not report to anybody but God. With God's vision for your life, you do not report to anybody but God. This does not give you a license to be mean to people. It just means that you got to be careful. So go to God first. Pray. Second, assess. That's what Nehemiah was doing. He was assessing where everything was. He was assessing what people were saying, what the enemy was saying, or the height of the wall. He was assessing the situation. He was asking his own people how are things going, and they're like, well, they're kind of losing hope, and they're kind of defeated. Assess. And the second thing is this. I love this about Nehemiah. Return to action. At halftime, we have a tendency to relax. If you're an athlete in here, and if you sit down too much, what happens? You get stiff. Why do you think we got ball players on the side of the field or the court, just on bikes, pedaling when they're not in the game? You got to stay active. You can't just at halftime say, well, I did the first half. Now it's up to God. No, return to action. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated, we returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armors. They were ready to fight, and they're ready to work. They're ready to fight, hammer, and they're ready, or ready to work, hammer, and they're ready to fight. Are we ready to work and fight at the same time? Because that's what it's going to take to get from halftime to the end of the game. Some of us, we just, we just need a little pep talk because we're lazy. We can only do one thing. Pastor, it's impossible, scientifically proven that you cannot multitask. You can only do one thing at one time. Pastor, you're, you're moving really fast. Hard to keep up. How do you do things with a vision from God and move in a pace that God is asking you to do? You want to know how? You work and you fight. That's how. Working helps you get progress on what he asked you to build. Fighting protects what he's asked you to build. Some of us need to focus on who you're serving, not what you're facing. Who you're serving, 
not what you're facing. See, I don't know, I know we're really a relational church. I don't know if people have offended you. What you have to do, and this is a pastoral moment for you, when someone says something mean to you, you cannot see, take it personal. You hear me, church? You have to just reject the spirit in which it's coming from. And you have to love the person. Because we're focused on who we're serving, not what's in front of us. That's the difference with being a follower of Jesus. Because it's all about him. Nehemiah In verse 15, he says this, Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Nehemiah says, the moment you hear the trumpet, you are to leave your place on the wall and come to the point where the enemy is attacking us. But Nehemiah does not say, you shall fight for us. In other words, you have to do something about it. He puts it much better. Our God shall fight for us. So in other words, regardless of your situation or the struggles or the magnitude of your scenario, God is still God. He will come to your rescue. Some of us need to hear the sound of the trumpet today for us individually. Here's why. Because the victory belongs to Jesus. In a God dream, in a Jesus dream, in a Jesus vision for your life and the purpose that God has for your life. The victory belongs to God. Yes, we will thrive and we'll go through the ups and the downs in our lives. But God gets the glory, not us. Joshua 23, verse 10. Joshua giving final instructions to his leaders right before he leaves this earth. He tells them and gives them instruction and says, remember it is God, not you. In verse 10, he says, one of your men puts to flight a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who is fighting for you just as he promised you. He's reminding them, hey, look, we look pretty good right now. God has fought all these battles and all these previous chapters in Joshua. Things are looking like we got it going on. But remember, it's because of Jesus. When challenges and challengers arise, flip the script. You serve a great and awesome God. That's who we serve. That's who he is. And he's on your side. He's on my side. He's on our side. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that no matter what the challenges of life and the challenges of life, 
Lord, as long as we are in the center of your will, God, you're calling us to a great and mighty purpose. Lord, would you begin to move on our behalf, even now? Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are maybe in a place where they have given up on the vision because it just took too long, or life happened, or the challenges and the challengers of life came and overcame them. I pray for a renewed work, that they would have the faith to flip the script. Lord, I pray for those here that have been walking with you for a long time. Lord, I pray for fresh wind and fresh air into their vision and their purpose. God, I pray that no matter how young a person is in this room and no matter how old a person is in this room, that you are not through. No matter what our experiences have said to us or lack of, you have a purpose and a vision for us individually. Lord, we pray for our church as well. We pray that your continued guidance would go before us, that your continued peace and joy would go before us. Today, if you're far from God, and you're saying to me, Pastor Clint, that, that, that's awesome that God has a vision for your life, but the truth is God's not part of my life. I would say your next step is to make Him part of your life. It's a choice that you make. It is not something that you attend. It is not a membership. It is not a club. It is a decision that is made from your heart to God. I can help you with it. I can show you towards it. But it has to come from you. And if you're in a place right now but you're far from God, you need to flip the script of your life and begin to make a decision, which, by the way, is the most important decision. More than doing anything for God, it's to be right with God. So that's you today, with no one looking around, with every eye closed and head bowed with every eye closed and head bowed. This is a private moment in between people and God. I just want you to, as a sign of faith, because raising your hand doesn't mean anything, but as a sign of faith between you and God, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus from scratch and, and take that fresh start today, would you just raise your hand? No one looking around. No one talking. Thank you. Thank you. Quickly, you can put your hands down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life, Lord of my decisions. I accept the work of the cross. And the fresh start that you give so freely. I accept your purpose and your vision for my life. It's in Jesus' name I ask and pray. Amen.